Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Did you guys see the debate last night? Man, Trump absolutely won that debate with Caitlin Collins. I got to be honest, after that performance for Collins, I don't know how she's going to improve in the polls for I'm, I'm kidding. You get the point. May as well have been Caitlin Collins running for president. She was just trying to debate Donald Trump nonstop. And she was wrong. The most frustrating thing about last night's town hall with Donald Trump is that Caitlin Collins tries jumping in saying, no, Trump, you're wrong. But actually, half the time she was wrong. Ugh, this is the problem with CNN. And it may be why, ladies and gentlemen, CNN cut the town hall down by 20 minutes. I noticed this when we were live last night on Timcast IRL doing live commentary. And um, I just assumed I must have been wrong. You see, we planned for this. We're like, hey, look, guys, there's the town hall tonight. We are going to do live commentary over this. And it's the, it's the weirdest thing, too. People are like, I'm going to watch Tim Pool and crew do live commentary over CNN and then get mad when they talk. Bro, watch a different channel. Like we're here to provide commentary. But we planned for this. And we were like from eight to nine thirty. That's when they're doing the town hall. And then afterwards, we'll jump to super chats. Then we'll do members only like we normally do. And then it was like nine ten or something where abruptly Caitlin Collins is just like, that's it for tonight's town hall. Thanks. Bye. Yo, everybody's pointing this out. I'm, I'm happy that CNN did this town hall. I'm not here to rag on CNN for hosting the town hall. I will criticize Caitlin Collins of CNN for just basically debating Trump and being wrong. And I'm going to debunk at least I've got I've got one tweet from Byron Donalds debunking what she says, making a strong point about how CNN's wrong and they think they're right. So don't you see, this is the problem. If you want to do a town hall, Trump talks, Trump talks to the audience. But you want to jump in every two seconds and say no. So CNN does a panel afterwards, which perfectly exemplifies why they back down, why they shut this down early. Let me stress this again for you so you can repeat this to the high heavens. CNN shut down Trump's town hall 20 minutes early. And the reason I think it's because Trump was doing an amazing job. Now, early on in the town hall or debate, whatever you want to call it, Caitlin Collins 
asks Trump about 2020 election, about January 6th. And it was nails on a chalkboard to me. I got to be honest. You know, look, we got, you know, if you're a big Trump fan, you're like, Tim, you're wrong and all that stuff. That's fine. You're allowed to think those things. But to me, nails on a chalkboard. I just tell people, look, I'm like a moderate guy. The left wants to lie and claim I'm far right because they're evil. And that's what they do. No, I'm, I'm fairly moderate. Trump talking about fraud and all that stuff is nails on a chalkboard to me, particularly because I want to win. And um, when I go talk to regular people, they have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, they're trying to get Trump on this topic on purpose because they know it polls poorly with moderates. So guess what? At the end of the show, they do this panel and they're like, what did you think? Were you bothered that Trump kept talking about this? And this dude's all like, you asked him about it. <laughs> it's really good. I'll show you the clip. But that's exactly why I think they're like, pull it, shut it down. It was a disaster. I'm willing to bet that CNN was seeing like tweets fired at him. AOC is freaking out. She's tweeting like, how dare you? How dare you, CNN? It was amazing. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, we're back, baby. I hope you're ready for, for what's to come. I have this um, historical photograph taken last night of Donald Trump on the CNN uh, town hall debate. Here you can see Donald Trump with glistening muscles and glowing blonde hair. The funny thing about this mid-journey AI-generated cartoon image of Donald Trump all ripped is that it's clearly a joke and to a certain degree making fun of Trump. He is an old, out-of-shape man whose ideas we like and has a tough demeanor. This is the joke. The joke is figurative. The funny thing is I made this image after we're we, like, this is in the middle of doing the uh, members only show. I went on mid journey and I was like, image of Donald Trump going super Saiyan and the left. They're all like, it's a cult. It's a cult. When I posted a picture of Joe Biden, super ripped and smiling with aviators on, they didn't say anything. Okay. These people do not understand humor at all because they're zombies. But let's uh, let me pull up this story from Newsweek and talk about CNN cutting Donald Trump by 20 minutes. And then I'm going to show you some of the tweets. Yo, it's not good. Politico says Trump smacked down CNN. It's beautiful. Let, let's let's read Newsweek just this morning writing. Questions have been raised as to why CNN appeared to cut a town hall broadcast with Trump on Wednesday short by as much as 20 minutes. The former president and 2024 Republican primary contender took to the stage in St. Anselm. Anselm College in New Hampshire, where he spoke on a number of topics, including his civil defamation case loss the previous day and the debt ceiling in a conversation with network anchor Caitlin Collins. CNN had courted controversy after announcing the program on May 1st, with detractors accusing the channel of giving Trump another platform to spread misinformation and calling for a boycott after a New York jur jury ruled he had sexually abused writer E. Jean Carroll in 1996. Oh, and there's so much to that story as well. Because for some reason, I'm in that story. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. They're roping me into this one, huh? Yeah, basically a juror said he had listened to three or four episodes of this show. That's it. And they were like, disqualified? Like, tried to kick him off the jury. Amazing. These people are in a cult, dude. Like, let me just stress this. You can criticize me. You can tell me I'm concerned. You can say whatever you want. But if you're going to accuse a dude who's watched three or four episodes of being so biased, he can't be on a jury. You are in the cult. Like, dude, he watched three or four episodes. That's what he said. And they're like, ah, he can't possibly be unbiased. He's seen a show a couple times. Wow. That's how scared they are of me. That if someone's seen my show, maybe even three or four times, that they're 
They're they're they're hyper partisan. That's amazing. I must be really influential. Share this video with your friends because apparently only three or four clips and boom, their brains shatter from the matrix. I'm really impressed by that. Thank you, guys. It's a compliment. They say in a statement to Newsweek earlier this week, the network said it was our job, despite his unique circumstances, to do what we do best. Ask tough questions, follow up and hold him accountable. Following the town hall, CNN said Trump had made false claims about abortion and repeated his unfounded claim the 2020 election was rigged. This is what they do. This is what they lie about. One of the one of the best things Trump said, they start talking about abortion and Trump says, I'm not radical on abortion. They want to they want to abort the babies at nine months at nine months. He's doing the accordion thing with his hands. He's, he's right. There's a viral video out of Virginia where a woman, um, what was her name? Was her name Nancy Tran out of Virginia? Let, let me fact check this one. Let me make sure I have it right. I, I, I could be wrong about this. Wait, was I, is, that, is that her name? Let me uh, pull up the news. I don't want to get the name wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, let, me, let me search this. Virginia abortion at birth. You see, that was the thing. It's a viral video. Uh, a viral video. Oh, they're, they're bringing the bill back? Uh, showing this woman saying that if a woman is at the point of birth, they could still abort the baby. There's no restrictions. And that's what Trump is talking about. And that it looks like they're trying to bring it back. Virginia Senate Democrats kill bill to protect infants born alive after failed abortions. Oh, geez. Maybe they're trying to bring it back. Anyway, I'll have to bring it up. I, I didn't bring it up. But anyway, Trump's, Trump's not wrong about that. I suggest you look it up. I think the woman's name was Tran. Uh, uh, her last name was Tran. Um, man, I, I, really, I, I really wish I would have pulled it up. Kathy Tran. Kathy Tran. I am sorry. It was Kathy, not Nancy. I knew there was a Y in there somewhere. Uh, can we can we get the here we go? God, I got it. I got it. Here we go. To prove Trump right, I had to pull this up in real time. Virginia bill would legalize abortion up to birth. National Review. News Guard certified. 85 out of 100. Generally credible. Do you think they just made this up? Democratic delegate Kathy Tran has introduced a bill in the House of Delegates that would legalize abortion up to birth. When questioned about the bill on Monday by Todd Gilbert, Tran acknowledged that it would allow abortion even at the very end of pregnancy. And they claim Trump is lying because these people are insane. They're either evil or they're in a cult. And I think it may be both. But let's stay on topic. Now that I've fact checked that for you in real time, so you can see this is not something Trump made up. They're lying. Let's get back to the news. Dylan Byers, a senior correspondent at Puck News, tweeted on Wednesday, the town hall was scheduled as a 90 minute broadcast. Though the network expected the actual event to go as long as 75 minutes. Yes, it was 90 minutes. That's what was reported across the board because we planned for it. They shut it down early. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, 
secure gold investments or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. He wanted to say that it ended less than 70 minutes in. In other words, they could have gone longer if they wanted, which is usually what executives do with big ratings draws. Archived listings show that the town hall was scheduled to last 75 minutes, followed by two back-to-back episodes of Anderson Cooper. Another Twitter user said the program lasted exactly 69 minutes. The event ended at 6.09 p.m. Pacific time. Matt Gates says, did CNN cut it short because Trump was doing so well? I've never seen a town hall get called like a mercy rule before. Did it actually happen? Look, all I can tell you is when we were preparing for the show, I looked up how to watch it and they said it was scheduled to go for 90 minutes starting at 8 p.m. That's an hour and a half. That means by 9.30, we were done. They called it early. That's it. I think they, they called it early. Trump absolutely roasted, roasted this. Check out, take a look at this. Insider says, CNN hoped a Trump town hall would give it credibility with the GOP. Instead, it got dunked on. Eh, hold your horses there, man. Yes, I will dunk on Caitlin Collins for being wrong. Saying things like, uh, I, I'm going to pull up a tweet from Byron Donalds. I, I can pro- show you exactly where she's wrong because uh, Byron Donalds has it. Here we go. He says, Caitlin Collins, what you just said is a lie. Chris Miller said under oath that President Trump did approve the National Guard and the D.C. mayor refused the order. I'll have more to say after the town hall on CNN. Reminder. And then he shows the video of him actually in Congress. I asked former acting DOD Secretary Christopher Miller about Mayor Bowser's request for National Guard's presence. Miller testified that Trump authorized the Guard, but Bowser chose not to use them. And they and she goes, Trump, you're wrong. I'm going to stop you that you're wrong. Trump, no, you're wrong, wrong, wrong. Let me tell you this. It was funny how no matter what Trump said about the election, she was like, no, you're wrong. I think that was an opportunity for Trump. I want Trump off of the election fraud stuff. And it's and it's really frustrating to me. People early on in the early days, and you've heard me say it 50 billion times, claimed that Dominion machines were hacked, that Venezuela was involved, that Germany was involved, that Chinese ballots. There's videos showing ballots being pulled out from under tables and they're counted. And everyone's like, oh, that proves it all the fraud. And then when I correctly break down the story, because that's what I do for all subjects. Now people are like, oh, now Tim finally understands. Dude, when people were claiming Trump was going to be reinstated in March, in February, in April, like no matter what happened, they were like, Trump will be truly inaugurated on this date. And I kept saying no. People attacked me for it. And then you have that, that video I mentioned where they're pulling ballots from under the table. Watch the full video. I watched the full video. They actually put the they, they, they collect ballots from people like normal, put them in boxes. And at the end of the day, they pull them out to count them. But a lot of people didn't see those videos. That's why I say stop with the fraud narrative. It's a trap. It is a trick. They are. And and whether you believe it or not, okay, I'm saying I disagree. I think what happened was Democrats had maximum ground game. They exploited covid. They they utilized universal mail and voting. They went nursing home to nursing home. They had massive ground game and they took away movies and sports and forced everyone into the political fray. And then Trump. They said he was he was at fault. And so, sure, you can come back and say, oh, what about signature verification? Listen, all of this was a legal process. That's the issue. Call it whatever you like. Colloquially, it was a legal process. I think Democrats play dirty games. I think that changing the rules on mail in voting was dirty. I think we need voting reform because we want I think we need voter ID. The point is CNN is trying to get Trump on this 
to wrap him up and trap him. And I'm going to show you proof, show you proof, which is why I'm just like, dude, none of this, none of this. Take a look at this. This is great. Even from Jack Posobiec, even the CNN voter panel is destroying CNN. Let me play for you this clip. Here we go. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020? And let me, let me, uh, I'm going to play it. I'm going to boost the volume real quick. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024? I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think you could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, there were questions, but you're right. That was the first thing, but that's something that was on our mind. That's why I was asked first. Does it bother you? We'll let it go again. about 2020 and not 2024. I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think you could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, amazing. You see, that's the point right there. That's the proof. That's the evidence. That's what I've been trying to say. CNN's like, are you mad that Trump kept talking about this? Are you mad? And he's like, you asked him. Well, well, Trump could have said something about 2024. He did in the beginning. Caitlin Collins is like, so Donald Trump, I want to ask you about 2020 election. And he's like, oh, it was rigged and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Trump needs to get off this. Moderates and independents don't care at all. But Trump did something smart, and I cheered for this. He said, but we got to talk about immigration. Our our southern border is completely destroyed. Joe Biden is doing a terrible job. And then Caitlin Collins goes, but I want to go back. I want to go back and talk more about that. That's you, CNN, your garbage. But I respect CNN for having him on, letting him talk. Clearly, they're not happy about how it went down. But this dude nails it. They're the ones who brought it up. And we said this during the during the show. They're trying to force Trump to talk about it so they can get the sound bites so they can do exactly this. They want to blast it on TV. They want Democrats to take those clips and say, three years later, Donald Trump still will not stop the lies in the commercial. And then it's going to be Donald Trump going like, well, you got to understand. And then they're going to show people saying like, can he just talk about the future? And they're going to use it against them. Trump needs to get off of this. And he could have done a better job, but he did try shifting away and CNN pushed him back in because they know Trump will take the bait. So it was frustrating for me to see. But you know what I'd do if I was Trump? And Trump did a little bit of this. If I was Trump and they were like, talk to me about 2020, I'd say, look, clearly I'm not the president. 2020 was several years ago. I'd like to talk to you about how we're going to help the American people. And then when she goes, no, no, I want to talk about 2020. I would say, Caitlin, with all due respect, we the American people want to know about what's happening now and how we can make their lives better. Nobody wants to rehash the past. Let's move forward. Let's be progressive thinkers on this one. Turn CNN into the bad guys. That's the opportunity here. Well, here's the mainstream narrative. I love this one. This is from Politico of all outlets. Five takeaways from Trump's CNN smackdown. Smackdown, they call it. 
Donald Trump did a greatest hits medley of his false election claims in January 6 explanations, and the GOP heavy crowd loved it. Okay, they called it a smackdown. But you see what Politico is doing? A greatest hits medley of false election claims and January 6 explanations. It's amazing. They were trying to trap Trump and they got what they wanted out of it. And then they pulled the plug. So I think that may be a component of why they shut it down. They're like, we got the sound bites. We got everything we need. Pull the plug. Let me tell you about Caitlin Collins. Truly a despicable woman. I can't. I, I think it's absolutely hilarious. They have her on the stage. She's she lacks the talent required for a job like this to be. I, and I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. I think she's despicable in her lies in terms of having her on the stage with Trump. It was really poorly done. CNN guys, listen, Galen Collins, good reporter, you know, in terms of personality, not an anchor stage presence. This is a big mistake. You are not cultivating strong talent here. She just does not have the X factor. When you look at a Megyn Kelly, you see, uh, or even like Dana Bash, you know, uh, you, you see presence. You do, whether you like their politics or not. Rachel Maddow, presence. Caitlin Collins doesn't have any of that. It's the inverse. Like when you're standing before someone like Trump, you can feel that presence coming off on their imposing figures. She's not. She's the inverse. She's shrinking away. But you see what they did here? January 6 explanations. Caitlin Collins was like, Donald Trump, Mr. President, she called him Mr. President over again. It was great. She's like, on January 6, you didn't say anything for three hours. And he's like, I'm going to whip it out. It was funny. And then he pulls out a paper and he's like, 2.30. I said, be peaceful. You know, do not fight with law enforcement, blah, blah, blah. No violations, no violence. And she goes, but why did you wait three hours? And he goes, I, I just I just said it right here. It was 2.30. The Capitol was breached at 2 p.m. It's right here. A half an hour later, he goes, but why did you wait three hours? He's like, oh, man. It's so annoying listening to them just lie, lie, lie over and over again. And of course, here's Politico jumping in. Here's CNN with theirs. The chilling reality of Trump, Trump town hall. Oh, boy. Oh, here we go with it. Let me tell you the reality of Trump. The reality of Trump is this picture right here. This is not this is an image from NBC News. This is from three years ago. This is Donald Trump in North Korea. He crossed the demilitarized zone into North Korea, shook hands with Kim Jong-un with no security detail, and then crossed back. And if the only way you think this is a bad thing is if you have Trump derangement syndrome. Sorry, I'm just going to say it. It may not be the most endearing thing, but I'm going to say it. Met a guy this past weekend who was like, there's no way you like that poning up to a dictator. And it's like, how do you bring about peace? What do you do? Do you just go around as the United States just killing all of your enemies all the time? Is that sustainable? And when I said Donald Trump crossed into North Korea with no security detail, a tremendous effort towards peace, people didn't believe me. This is what we're talking about with Donald Trump. This image right here should be seen as one of the most powerful historic moments in the past century. Obviously, we had World War II and stuff in the past hundred years, but this is an iconic moment. All of the conflict, the hatred, 50 years of the Korean War. And here is Trump in good faith, risking his life. Now, I do think the risk of his life was minimal, to be fair. But this is the Donald Trump that I'm talking about when I say I want to vote for this man. Foreign policy, a good economy. That's why CNN pulled the plug. They want to smear him. They want to defame him. And they want you focused on 2020 and January 6th. 
Trump needs to not Trump needs to push back and say, no, no I don't want to talk about old stuff. We're here to talk about the future. Otherwise, they're going to get him. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Today is a great day in the culture war. My friends, we have a tremendous victory from Fox Business. Bud Light parent company stock downgraded by HSBC amid branding crisis and huge sales drop. The news broke yesterday evening. I am covering it now today, as of course last night was the Donald Trump CNN debate. Donald Trump was debating CNN, in case you missed it. But this is a tremendous victory. Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch needed only apologize. A simple couple of sentences. And they refused. They said that you were so stupid that they were going to ignore the problem, do nothing, keep it internal. Now, sales have dropped consistently over the past month to such a degree that HSBC has downgraded their stock. Oh, boy. This may, in fact, precipitate a decline in their stock. But let me break this down for you, and we'll give you more updates on what's happening with the Bud Light boycott. Fox Business reports. HSBC has downgraded Anheuser-Busch InBev stock to hold amid a crisis following Bud Light's marketing campaign featuring transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney. Carlos Laboy, managing director at HSBC's global beverage sector, told CNBC that there are deeper problems than ABI admits after the social media partnership with Mulvaney in April. Is ABI's leadership getting the brand culture transformation right? It's mixed. So let's break this down. I am no stockbroker nor financial advisor, so don't come to me for advice. But you have buy, hold, and sell. InBev before was buy. They said, this is the biggest company. Bud Light's the best brand. You're going to buy, buy, buy. Now they're saying, hold, hold. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. They're scared. I think the hold sign actually will participate a sell-off. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not a financial guy. But the way I see it is, after a month of declining sales, and now you've got somebody who's holding, like, let's, they say the stock is a buy. They're like, buy it now. Buy it now. It's dropping. It's going to go back up, whatever. Whatever they're saying, right? <clears throat> you got people who had already bought in for a couple thousand dollars, 10,000, 20, 30, 40, 50. Maybe you're Trump. Maybe you have a, a million. You're not buying anymore. You've already got your Anheuser-Busch. Now the stock is stagnant. Dropped a little bit, actually. You're losing money. Go stagnant. Now they're saying, hold, hold. Don't buy anymore. 
Now I got to wonder if people are going, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? If nobody buys, it's going to go down. I'm going to lose. I'm going to, if nobody's buying this stock and then anybody sells, because they will, maybe on the weekend they want to clear some cash, it's going to drop. I better sell it now before everybody else does. Uh Uh-oh. This is a major cultural moment. This signal could precipitate a domino fall for Anheuser-Busch. If you are holding stock right now and someone says it's not letting up, they could sell off. If they do, your stock drops. And then eventually someone's left holding an empty bag. And I don't know for sure. You know, if people think Anheuser-Busch is the, way, is the place to be, is a thing to buy, then you go ahead and do it, right? Don't look at me. I'm not a financial guy. I don't know. It just sounds to me like this story suggests there could be a domino collapse of the Anheuser-Busch stock, dropping it down substantially. I'll say it again. If there's somebody who's got a million, five million in stock, I think they're reporting Trump had like a million in stock. If he's like, I don't want to be holding this. I'm getting bad press. It's a bad investment. And he dumps his stock. Price goes down. If people see price going to go price going down and HSBC is saying not to buy, they're not saying sell, they're saying don't buy. It ain't coming back, baby. Quote, at Ambev, we think the answer is yes. In the US, we think it's no. The way this Bud Light crisis came about a month ago, management's response to it and the loss of unprecedented volume and brand relevance raises many questions, LeBoy continued. LeBoy cited a beer marketer's insight note, which reported a drop in beer sales of possibly over 25% in April. Why did its U.S. leadership underestimate the risk of pushback given the recent experience of other firms? Is AB hiring the best people to grow the brand and gauge risk? <clears throat> the analyst added. If Budweiser and Bud Light are iconic American ideas that have long brought consumers together, why did these marketers fail to invite new consumers without alienating the core base of the firm's largest brand? Ambev is a Brazilian brewery also owned by Anheuser-Busch InBev. In the first three weeks of April, sales in the U.S. of Bud Light dropped to the equivalent of 1% of the company's global volume for that time period. Sales of Bud Light in retail stores also fell by 21.4% in the week ending April 22nd when compared to the same time last year. In comparison, Coors Light and Miller Light saw their sales increase nearly 21%. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. I don't want to do any of that. I'm just saying it looks like people are dumping their stock in, in Anheuser-Busch, in Bev, and they're buying stock in Coors Light, Miller Light. They say that in, in hard times. The one thing you can count on is alcohol. Because when people are happy, they drink. And when they're sad, they drink. So it seems like it makes sense. People are going to want to have some of their money in an alcohol beverage company. I don't think that company right now is Anheuser-Busch. <clears throat> the situation has impacted our people and especially our frontline workers, the delivery drivers, sales reps, our wholesalers, bud owners and servers, AB InBev CEO Michael DeCara said on an earnings call. Wow. And right now, this is, what is Fox News saying? 4,200 people are reading this article as I read it myself. Oh, boy. It's getting bad. It's getting bad, and we're winning that Bud Light fight. I don't even know if an apology will cut it, and I've been saying this again. They could have apologized. They chose not to. Well, that's on them now. They're being boycotted by gay bars in Chicago, which is likely going to spread, and Bud Light has become the beer 
of homosexual men. And I always try to I always try to, to, to preface this. I'm not saying that to disparage anybody. I'm just saying Bud Light is now synonymous with being a homosexual. And I mean that in the factual basis, literal sense, not I'm not trying to be derisive or anything like that. You know, some people might be like, he's just trying to insult people. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying with the cast of the Book of Mormon going, thank you, Bud Light, and cracking beers and drinking it, and Dylan Mulvaney, you will now be perceived to be a leftist homosexual man if you drink this beer. This is what we're seeing on the street. This is what we're seeing outside. Nobody wants to drink it because they don't want to be associated with it. And that's powerful. It sends a big message. We have this story from OutKick. Dylan Mulvaney claims he's having trouble sleeping after Bud Light disaster. Dylan Mulvaney responded to the backlash against him by claiming he can't sleep at night. Mulvaney and Bud Light have been facing intense scrutiny, this we know. The backlash was swift, this we understand. It's true I'm having trouble sleeping, Mulvaney claimed to the Dear Shiler podcast. The trans activist and social media personality further reacted to the criticism and added, in a weird way, it has been a blessing to sort of break that people to, to break that people pleasing mentality because there's no way of winning those people over. Incredibly, Dylan Mulvaney is talking about everyone. There's no way to win over everyone. It's, it's, it's regular people at Fenway Park who are not buying Bud Light. Let me tell you how the internet works, my friends. Ocasio-Cortez is not a prominent personality. She's famous, but in the true sense of this country, she is not, not relevant to the average person. Here's what happens online. Let's say in every city there is one person who would like Ocasio-Cortez. In the real world, they don't have meetings. They don't meet up. They don't protest. They're one person. Online, they all congregate. In physical reality, it's difficult to find large portions of the population who will stand shoulder to shoulder cheering, yay, AOC. Online, you can find them spattered all over the country, and they can come together in a digital space, seemingly standing next to each other. That's what's going on with Dylan Mulvaney. If you brought Dylan Mulvaney out to, I, I love this example, MGM National Harbor. The reason I do is because it's a major, major entertainment center in a major metropolitan area. You've got the National Harbor Pier with the Ferris wheel and the restaurants. There's a big casino and shopping center and steakhouse. And everybody in the D.C. area and tourists are in this place. Or we could say Times Square, whatever. But, you know, I live in the D.C. area, so that's what I say. Dylan Mulvaney in this place would be booed and jeered. Regular people would be like, what is this? This weird, psychotic Audrey Hepburn male performance is off-putting. It's nails on a chalkboard to the average person. But online, to the zombie horde of NPCs, they just do whatever they're told to do. So I'd put it this way. As I put it to Lance from the Surfs, we had him on the show, shout out. If you went to National Harbor and loudly proclaimed your views, would anyone agree with you? And he said, no, probably not. But this is an urban liberal center. And you don't think these people would agree with you? You are in a cult. I love it. So Dylan Mulvaney is saying, I can't win these people over. You're talking about average people, regular people in this place. They would all be like, nah, what is this? I'm not, nah, I'm not doing that. Get out of here with that. And that's the point. Mulvaney may have 10 million followers, but that is a microscopic fraction of people compared to the general public. Now, 
You take someone like, uh, let's name Taylor Swift, um, even Kanye West, despite all of the weird political stuff. You bring Kanye West out in the public, the average person's cheering for him, despite the things he says. And that's kind of a problem, you know. But but uh, he came back out and later, what did, what did he say? He watched Jonah Hill and now he likes Jewish people. <laughs> oh, jeez. This is what they say. They say that Tim Cast is, is, is an extremist far-right podcast, despite the fact that I'm like a pro-choice traditional liberal, because they're in a cult, because they've lost their minds. So when my opinions are reflected in polling by regular people, if you go to, if you go to independent voters and on average, and you ask them about political opinions, yeah, strong overlap with me. Yet for some reason, the people in the media say that my opinions are extremist. They're saying that about everyone, about regular Americans. It's a cult. Mulvaney has been relatively silent since the blow up also claimed he's attempting to have grace with the situation, saying, quote, but the people who are targeting us right now, I love it, us. I'm trying to find grace for them because I know that this was planted from something else. And I can only hope that they will see the beauty and the humanity and the importance of, of an identity and not try to strip that away, he explained. Dylan Mulvaney, I think, is an evil person. I genuinely believe that. But I don't believe Dylan Mulvaney is maliciously evil. I believe that Dylan Mulvaney is the banality of evil. You have an individual who is doing whatever necessary to be famous. It is more of dominoes falling over than intentional acts. AOC, on the other hand, I think is maliciously evil. I believe you know, she's trying to get an innocent man, a good Samaritan, put in prison right now, despite evidence proving trying to save someone's life because she's evil, intentionally and maliciously evil. She fabricated a fake story about January 6th for political power because she is maliciously evil. Dylan Mulvaney, the banality of evil. Dylan Mulvaney, I don't believe to be a person of great intellect. Dylan Mulvaney made a post on TikTok and TikTok's algorithm decided we're going to make this famous. And now Dylan Mulvaney isn't smart enough to understand what's going on. Dylan Mulvaney propagates an evil and corrupt system. That's just reality. And I'm not saying Dylan Mulvaney is going like, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm saying that Dylan Mulvaney is a product of the algorithmic crisis, which is death, destruction, and chaos, the banality of evil. They say, well, Mulvaney, Mulvaney might want to offer his spin of the situation. Anheuser-Busch is doing its best to distance itself from the situation. Yes, yes, yes. This, 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 this we own. We, we understand. But it's spreading. Take a look at this story from TimCast.com. Bud Light boycott is spreading to other Anheuser-Busch brands. Company may be in a no-win situation as gay bars are ditching Anheuser-Busch beer. Adrian Norman writes for TimCast.com. Over the same time period this year, Bud Light's competitors saw a boost in their sales. But as more people learn of the other beverages held in Anheuser-Busch's portfolio, the fallout from the backlash over Bud Light's partnership is now spreading to other beer products. The St. Louis Business Journal reported the following numbers. Budweiser is down 11.4%. Michelob Ultra, 4.4%. Bush Light, 1.8%. Natty Light, 5.2%. If you're in college, if you're some frat bro, Bud Light says they don't like you. So you show up and you're like, let's get some beers for the party. Normally you'd grab Natty Light or something, just some garbage beer that gets you drunk or Bud Light. Now you walk in and you won't buy it because you don't want people to think you're gay. And that's really funny, isn't it? They don't understand. 
these regular frat bro dudes, these regular young guys in their 20s, they're still wearing T-shirts and baseball caps. They're still trying to pick up chicks at the bar. The weirdo cultists and people like Dylan Mulvaney live in the Internet world of furries and other kin and gender ideology. Go out to a college bar and I'll tell you what you're going to see. Young women scantily clad, trying to hook up with guys and guys trying to impress the girls. And no guy is going to intentionally try and make himself look gay when trying to pick up a woman, unless you're dealing with that weird trope of the guy who pretends to be gay to pick up a chick, which is it's not real. Hasn't happened. The dudes are, are going to want to go to a bar and want to be impressive and fun and not be seen as effeminate and weak. Now, the left can say it all day and night. They can try and talk about how women want a sensitive guy or something like that. No, they don't. Some do. Most don't. Women want confident men, charming, collected, kind, but assertive. This is, this is a misconception from so many of these incels that women want a guy who's going to walk up to him and spit on him and insult them. They want a guy who's going to be strong and prove he's a good provider and protector. He's going to bring you a beer. He's going to sit down and he's going to be like, tell me about yourself. And she's going to say, well, I don't like that necklace. And be like, well, I love this necklace. What don't you like about it? The, the, the common thing is women will say something. And if the guy is demure and weak and says, you're so pretty, that's unattractive. She wants a guy who's going to be like, I know what I like. I know why I like it. He's going to be like, I'm not drinking Bud Light. You want me to look like some weirdo in here? Nobody's drinking that stuff. And she's going to be like, well, that's bigoted. I don't care. I don't like it. I'm not going to drink it. That's impressive. I got to tell you, I just got to say, you know, there are a lot of these guys who pretend to be male feminists to try and get laid. And it works for a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. But I tell you, I'm not going to speak for every single woman, but at least in many of these scenarios, it is unappealing to be a weak, pathetic, effeminate male feminist. I mean, just go and look at it. Look at it. I mean, it's funny that we have these stereotypes and these tropes. Yet the left would try and deny their reality. Every joke has its truth. And there's a reason why we come up with these tropes. Now, they're not always correct. Like Asians being good at math is not because Asians are genetically predisposed to being good at math. It's because there is a culture that developed where Asian parents are very strict with education. That's it. That's it. Any white person or black person or Latino person could be the exact same way. It's just cultural. But that's why the stereotype exists. Cultural reasons. And for those cultural reasons, I'm telling you, you are not going, you're likely not going to see college age dudes buying Bud Light. And for the most part, they probably don't care. I think most people don't care. It's only 20% down, meaning one in five will buy it and doesn't care. I'm just saying it's significant. It's spreading to their other brands. And here we go. Look at this. We're here for that. Levi's CEO says it's growing its gender neutral line. Because there is definitely consumer appetite for that when asked about Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney fiasco. I don't wear Levi's. They're like the worst jeans ever. And aren't, aren't, aren't Levi's just like the OG blue jeans? No, I don't wear any of that garbage. They suck. No, for real, like they, they don't fit very well and they're stiff. You know, you know what I like wearing? And I'm not saying it's a better brand or anything. I don't know. Maybe they're woke too. I like Volcom. I got I got Volcom jeans. I've always worn them because I'm a skater. I think I'm wearing a Volcom shirt right here. Yeah, I'm wearing, I don't know if you can see it, a Volcom shirt. And the jeans that I'm wearing are like one, it's blue jean, uh, 1% spandex. So they got some give, some stretch. So when you skate, you get better range than the stiff garbage denim of Levi's. 
But I'll tell you this. I got no problem boycotting that garbage product. And I do wear blue jeans. But play the game, Levi's. Play the game. Nike, I've never been a fan of. Levi's, I won't buy either. Get woke, go broke. There was a card shop, a game shop near me when I was in Jersey. They put up that that fat, that that far left psycho flag signifying Antifa or whatever. I'm not going to that place. It's a cult symbol. You might as well you might as well put a swastika on your building. Now, of course, if you're in the cult, you're offended by that statement. But I don't think anybody who actually understands what a cult is and is outside the cult would disagree. They're just two extremist ideologies. I'm not interested in being around any of them. You got a sickle and a hammer? Not interested. You got a swastika? Not interested. You got the pride flag with the triangle and the circle and all that other weird stuff? I ain't going anywhere near your business because you're in a cult and you are dangerous, violent people. And I see it even in West Virginia, but I'll steer clear of it. I don't care. Y'all can't shame me. They try and do that thing. Why are you so obsessed with people's genitals? Bro, your words mean nothing. Your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. Okay, I will tell you how I feel and how I feel. I am fine with feeling that way. And I've always been that way. So Levi's and any other company that wants to embrace this, I don't care. Do it. I'm not going to buy your product. That's how I've always felt. If Anheuser-Busch wants to double down and spit in my face, I will not buy Anheuser-Busch products. And now it looks like their stock is going to tank because they got downgraded. And it looks like the people who hold that stock are going to lose a lot of money. And if they want to, fine, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. But keep playing that game. Keep playing that game. Good luck. I wish you the best. I got no beef. I'm out. We buy Yingling now. Not like we ever bought Bud Light in the first place. We would buy craft local brewery beers as it was. But, you know, we had we, we bought Bud Light not that long ago. I think we were doing like a barbecue. We had the 4th of July coming up. Oh, this is going to be so sweet. I want to stress it. The 4th of July is coming, my friends. We're about two months away. Let us make sure we remind all of our friends, do not buy any Anheuser-Busch beer for the 4th of July. If you're on the East Coast, Yingling is a delicious beer. And they posted a photograph of someone holding a beer with an American flag. That's a beer for you. Oldest brewery in this country. How about that? Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Come gather round, and I'd like to tell you a story about a man. A man in New York who has no home. He goes by the name of Fred Innocent. That's actually his name, by the way. And in this story, this poor, desperate man was seeking to relieve his bowel of human waste. And he needed some way to clean himself afterward. (laughs) You're already probably pissed off at this segment. And um, unfortunately for this man, the only thing that he could find was a flag. A flag representing a psychotic far left ideology. And he desecrated that flag and is now being criminally charged in ridiculously severe ways. Yo, this is a story about a homeless man who took a dump on an LGBTQ flag. So they're charging him with numerous hate crimes and they want to lock him up. Yo, you can be in New York and you can threaten people and they will def- they will defend you and condemn the victims. But heaven forbid you're a homeless guy who takes a dump on their flag. They will lock you up. Oh, boy. Let's take a look at this story. 
Homeless man charged with hate crimes for defecating on two LGBTQ plus pride flags. And when I tell you, get out of New York and you don't listen, I ain't going to come running for you to come help when they lock you up for something similar. Now, I really doubt y'all be taking dumps on pride flags, but you get the point. Sooner or later, it will be you. They will knock on your door and say, we've heard you've been speaking hate speech. You're under arrest. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? I was just watching the game. Well, your neighbor said hate speech. Just like in this Soviet Union, a homeless man has been charged with several hate crimes for defecating on an LGBTQ pride flag and wiping his behind with another at a Manhattan restaurant. Fred Innocent walked into Busio 95, a tapas bar on West 95th Street and Broadway on the Upper West Side on April 15th at about 10 a.m. As the day crew was setting up and grabbed two rainbow flags off a table, he relieved himself on one of the banners, according to police, then cleaned himself with another. (laughs) Yo, it's New York, baby. This was a total hate crime. Restaurant owner Courtney Barrel said after hearing of the arrest, he came in within 15 minutes of us opening the restaurant. He could have gone to Popeye's or McDonald's around the corner. He could have used napkins. She said that she puts the flags up in the restaurant to show that she's welcoming to the gay community. We support everyone, no matter what kind of background, race or lifestyle. Well, apparently not this guy. This poor homeless guy. What's he supposed to do? Take a dump on the floor? How's he going to wipe his butt? He needed help. And you attacked him for it. I think the restaurant owners should be criminally charged as racists. I think New York, you got to get on it, huh? She said that she felt innocent, zeroed in on the flags because of intolerance. He took the only two flags in the area and he used one to defecate and the other to wipe himself. Well, sounds like he was just using the flags to wipe, to to clean up. They're like, he could have done something else. How big are the napkins? You know, what are we talking about here? Restaurant porter Enrique Trujillo discovered the mess as he cleaned the dining shed. I smelled something really bad, Trujillo said shortly after the incident. When I started to clean the corners, that's when I saw it. The man carried out his disgusting act beneath a surveillance camera, Trujillo said. Barrel said the hate crime detective detectives worked tirelessly to track innocent down. I want to thank the NYP detectives for catching him. They worked so hard on this. Yo, this is the future of your country. Y'all ready for this? NYPD doing the hard work of tracking down a homeless man took a dump on a pride flag. There you go. Innocent, whose address comes back to a Harlem shelter, was charged with burglary, harassment, and trespassing, all as hate crimes. He was also hit with additional trespassing charges and burglary, not as a hate crime. He was arrested in Midtown and was awaiting arraignment as of Wednesday evening. If I'm asked to go to court, I'm going to press for the maximum charge possible. It's a cult. These people are dangerous, violent psychopaths that will weaponize the powers of the state if you so defy their symbols. If you're a homeless man, oh, this is right out of um, the Gulag Archipelago. I watched that segment on, um, on, uh, uh, what you call, on Jeopardy, where no one could say the name of Solzhenitsyn properly. And I'm probably still saying it wrong. We were, I, I heard people say Solzhenitsyn, and I think they corrected and said Solzhenitsyn, which is still probably wrong. Nobody could say his name, but he writes the Gulag Archipelago. And he talks about how if you're a criminal, well, you know, we get it. It's too bad. But if you're a citizen, you knew better. Take a look at this story. Here's what it is. 
In New York City, a homeless man threatens harm against people. He says he'll hurt anybody and he doesn't care if he goes to jail. Three men took it upon themselves to subdue this man. The man died. Now, these three men tried to save his life after they subdued him. But AOC wants them locked up. She wants them charged with murder because these people are evil. I am not being cute. Literally, this is what evil is. Yet for this homeless man who harmed no one but took a dump on a flag, they want the maximum charge possible. I hope you understand what is happening to this country and you reflect upon this, because if you live in these cities, that's what's coming next. You see these videos. There's a story that I'll probably talk about in a little bit about a woman who's saying these woke schools are bad and the, and the students are protesting. It's we are actuaries in a world filled with unpredictability. We use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Students today. But what happens when these students are in their 30s? Do you think they'll just ignore and forget all about this stuff? It's going to get crazier. Would you have ever thought that they would have done something like this to a poor homeless black man? I did, because we know how the game is played. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. It makes no sense. All that matters is the cult wants power. And if you insult them, you get the boot. That's basically what the Soviet Union was. It's not so much to me about communism or any of these ideologies, but about human nature and human behavior. Dangerous, psychotic zealots amass power and do horrible things. We hear of stories. It could be the fascists, the Nazis, the communists. Authoritarianism exists across the board when psychotic ideologies go unchecked. There are many stories throughout history of psychotic individuals doing psychotic things and large psychotic groups of people running and hunting down people forming mobs. And that's why we have the Constitution. Innocent has had several prior runs with the law. In January of this year, he was arrested for a burglar after swapping a purse. Last October, he was busted for grand larceny. What I find fascinating about the story is that they didn't care about those crimes. Those crimes, he was released out onto the street. But now, a victimless crime. He took, well, he stole someone's flag. So to be fair, that's, that's victimizing. I get that. But he took a dump on a flag. And for that, he gets the boot. Take a look at this story from Newsweek. Republican cities that have higher crime rates than New York. You know, I don't think Newsweek's all that bad, to be completely honest, but this headline is fake news. They don't even mention Republican cities. In fact, they mention Chicago. I'm just like, what, what is this? What does crime in New York look like? What about crime in GOP-led cities? And then they go on to reference several cities that are, uh, interestingly, only recently GOP-led. And the other thing, that I think is important to bring up when they talk about this. They mentioned places like Chicago and other Democrat cities. They highlight this tweet. Kevin Cruz saying a recent study found New York to be the fifth safest city in, big, in, in America. Now, what does that really mean? Take a look at this. He posts this uh, 15 safest and 15 most dangerous. And of the safest city, there are some that lean Republican or Republican jurisdictions. 
And then of the 15 most dangerous, it's basically the same thing. It doesn't seem for the most part that there's a big distinction between the politics of the city, except there are more cities that are Democrat and they have higher crime. They have more crime. Now, I don't know why the perception is for sure, but I can give you my thoughts. If you live in New York, which has some of the highest crime in the country or Chicago, what they then do is say it's per capita. Oh, so that's the game they're playing. If you look at some of these smaller Republican led cities, what will you find? You'll find the population is smaller and crime exists. But if you have 100 people and one person commits a crime, that's 1% crime. If in New York you have 100 people, and I'm, I'm sorry, you have a million people and a thousand commit a crime, that's still 1%. That means that in New York, the percentages will be about the same. In a place like a Republican controlled city, it is higher per, and uh, some of them, I should say, not all of them. In fact, it's mostly the other way around. We covered this a long time ago. Democrat cities tend to have higher crime per capita, but this is the point I'm getting to. You can easily isolate cities and say, aha, look how many of these cities have bad crime and how many are Republican? Well, a lot less than the ones that are Democrat. And there's a mix. The most dangerous cities, St. Louis, Mobile, Alabama, Birmingham, Baltimore, Memphis, Tennessee, Detroit, and sound overwhelmingly Republican. But either way, either way, I don't care if it's true. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. If there's crime in these cities, so be it. The issue is who is trying to solve the problem and who offers you an option. Typically in Republican controlled jurisdictions, you have a right to keep and bear arms and defend yourself. There may be more crime. It's unfortunate, but that's a place that I would prefer. I prefer to be in a place where I have the ability to protect myself in the event there is crime. And I'm not convinced it's actually true what they're claiming. There are some cities that have Republican. Uh, uh, I think Mobile, Alabama is Republican. It does have high, high crime. Then you look at a place like New York and you can see the problem with their crime. They allow criminals to run rampant, which brings us to the most important point. Is New York actually all that safe or are they just not stopping crime? Here's what you need to understand about these stats. If in Mobile, Alabama, they arrest every criminal and track that, you will see a high rate of crime. If in New York City, they don't stop criminals, you will see a low rate of crime. And that's exactly what we see in many of these places. Crimes in New York go unreported. Police don't want to take write things down. I had a, I had a cab driver literally try to kidnap me and I had to jump out of the car while moving and the cops threatened me with arrest because they don't want to deal with it. So the real question is much more complicated than just where is the higher crime? The real question is one fair point. Yes, there are Republican cities with higher crime than Democrat cities. Absolutely. That's a problem. Not here to play games or defending Republicans and act like they're perfect. The real question is, if you're in New York City and you get mercilessly beaten, will they stop the criminal? Likely not. In, in a lot of instances, sure, but they'll release them right away. If you defecate on a pride flag, you'll, go to, you'll, go to, you'll get locked up with the maximum charge. If you're in one of these Republican jurisdictions, they probably will arrest this person and stop them. And does that mean that crime isn't being tracked the same in Democrat cities? We know that's true. So either way, I don't care if Democrats want to live that way. That's my point. If you want to live in New York and go to prison for crapping on a flag, go ahead and live there. I'm just not going to defend you. Don't care. And if you want to live in a Republican controlled jurisdiction that has more crime, but you have the right to defend yourself, that I get. Pick your poison, right? That's New York for you. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
I'm really excited for this segment because it's an opportunity for me to, uh, it's an excuse for me to crack open this uh, delicious Jeremy's Chocolate She-Her candy bar and partake in a delicious piece of some of the finest chocolate I've ever had. But I'll hold off for now because I'm going to be talking to you about a news story. So um, maybe I'll have this uh, delicious piece of chocolate in just a bit. Woke College puts professor on leave for handing out Jeremy's chocolate. Bravo, college professor. This is an amazing story. A woke California community college put a history professor on a nutty version of a double secret probation for the offense of handing out Jeremy's chocolate bars to students. (laughs) Woo! David Richardson, a self-described gay conservative, stocked a bowl of candies with Jeremy's he, him, she, her chocolate bars, inviting Madera Community College students at an open house to help themselves, according to George Washington University law professor and blogger Jonathan Turley. School officials apparently took the act as an endorsement of the gender binary, the science-supported proposition that humans are either male or female. Richardson told Turley he had been he has been suspended, banned from non-public spaces on campus and denied access to his email as the school investigates him for serious misconduct. Richardson, 33, said that a staff member started taking pictures of the candy bars and kept trying to bait me. But nothing happened until he received a letter Monday. Just the news reported treating students to the chocolate bars sold by the Daily Wire created a hostile work environment. It's chocolate. These people are a cult. Please understand. It's a cult. When you can't give someone a, a piece of chocolate, there's no, there's no writing on it. There's nothing on the, on the chocolate. It just says Jeremy's chocolate. If you can't give someone a piece of chocolate without them trying to take your job away, they are a cult. We got to spread that message. A hostile work environment. They claimed it constituted harassment and discrimination against colleagues based on gender. What? Richardson is already in the middle of a lawsuit against the State Center Community College District, which he sued after it sanctioned him for his behavior during a mandatory pronoun etiquette seminar that was led by a trans identifying professor in October 2021. Jeremy's Chocolate launched at the beginning of March after Hershey's used a man as one of the faces of the she bar on the day of Women's History Month. Within days, chocolate company started by Daily Wire co-CEO Jeremy Boring sold more than half a million candy bars. Uh, we we uh, ordered on air live, I think, um, 2,000. I think we ordered 2,000 of these bars. Yo, they're almost all gone. And I feel kind of bad because the Timcast staff, they're going to get fat because they're eating too many of them. Now, I got to be honest, Jeremy, they're mostly eating the she, her bar because people don't want to eat Jeremy, Jeremy Boring's chocolate bar with nuts in it. I could, I could be a little more crass, but I like the nuts one. Um, I, I have an almond allergy though. So I mostly prefer the she, her milk chocolate bar, but uh, I'd like to stress this too. Like there's nothing. I just says she, her, it doesn't say like it, it says, enjoy the sweet taste of building a woke free economy. That's as political as it gets. The ingredients are fair trade, cocoa butter, fair trade, organic cane sugar, dried milk powder, fair trade, cocoa powder. It's impressive. Four ingredients. It's a good product. It's, it, it really is. It really is delicious. Everybody loves eating it. It's crazy at the reaction. But you know what? It means we are winning. And I, I often do a bit, you know, I, I've done it quite a bit where I'm like a delicious she, her, Jeremy's chocolate. But there's a reason why I'm doing this. OK, not only do I find it very, very funny, 
personally, I don't, I mean, you might not be laughing. I don't care. I find it funny. I really do want to shout out Jeremy's chocolate because we need to build a parallel economy and have products that are available, be it beer, chocolate, legal services. That's why I'm a big fan of publicsquare.com, publicsq.com. We've done a bunch of shout outs for them. They've sponsored some of our shows. You go to that website, you can find businesses that support American values. This is how we win. Anheuser-Busch is in free fall. Their stock has been downgraded. Their, sh- their sales are collapsing. We win. That's what we got to do. So I'm not telling you if, you, if you don't eat chocolate, maybe don't start. If you've got a grocery store, a bodega, a mom and pop shop, you should be selling Jeremy's chocolate. If you're going to have any kind of candy bar for sale, have it be Jeremy's chocolate. I actually think they're decently expensive, though, but they're like high quality bars, you know, like four ingredients, fair trade or I think it's organic. Is it organic? Yep. <laughs> I don't know if the whole bar is organic. The, the cane sugar is organic. It's like a high quality thing, right? So if you can sell that. They say the chocolate bars highlight the biological distinction between men and women. OK, that's great. Fine. I'll do it. Jeremy Boring announced. I also want to mention this. Cast Brew Coffee. Let, the, let, the, let, the, let, let this be a shout out for our coffee company. Relevant, uh, relatively rudimentary website, very early. We've just announced a new product, the Cast Brew Coffee Club. 40 bucks a month, and you get three bags per month of rotating signature blends. And you can see Roberto Jr. there. There's a reason why we started this company. And it's, it's a long, it goes along with why you should buy Jeremy's Chocolate. If you're shaving, you need to shave Jeremy's Razors. We, we all know about that. It was a great campaign. Jeremy launched a chocolate company. If you're going to buy chocolate for any reason, you should be buying this one. If you're going to be buying coffee for any reason, admittedly, there's several different options you can make. I hope you choose cast brew coffee. We don't want to be beholden to sponsors that will say, hey, look, man, that message is a little rough for us. We don't want managers who are going to be like, just be careful about how you say certain. No, we're going to say things the way we want to say them. So you know what we did? We launched our own coffee company. Cast Brew Coffee with four different roasts available. And we want you to get your coffee from us if you do. Now, admittedly, I'm not here to play games. It's it's 16 bucks, $15.99 for our signature blends. And it's $12.99 for our general blends, like Colombian and French roast. We have Unwoke, which is a decaf, Sleepy Joe decaf. One's light and one's dark. We, we'll, we'll get them up soon. We're going to do Mr. Bocus Pumpkin Spice Experience signature blends. I get it. You go on Amazon.com. Guess what? You can get five bucks, 12 ounce coffee of Colombian or whatever. If you want Amazon to profit off of your money, by all means, do it. This stuff, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to lay it down for you straight. We are not making money right now. We expect to make money. It is profitable for us to sell cast brew coffee and to sponsor ourselves and push back against woke corporations. Absolutely. But I'm just going to tell you guys, we sold out. We sold out of Rise with Roberto Jr. and we're back ordered actually. So we're in production on the next batch because it was all it was all made fresh. And I think we're back ordered on some of the Appalachian Nights. Colombian and French roast are still widely available. I have to personally put in a ton of money so that we can make the products to sell. It's crazy actually. I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, how is it that I need to spend more money? Like, didn't we sell this and turn a profit? We did, but the profit margins aren't that high. So that means we are getting so many sales, we have to reinvest more over and over and over again, which is a good thing. We've sold a, a lot of coffee product. Now, I'm not doing this segment 
just to shout out the fact that we did. I want to highlight, uh, starting off with Jeremy's Chocolate and shouting out Jeremy Boring and their chocolate bars and their candy and the things they're working on, because I think we all need to do it. I hope Jeremy Boring makes $100 million off of selling chocolate. I hope all of the stores in conservative areas stop selling Hershey's and start selling Jeremy's. The challenge, it's more expensive. It's higher quality, but it's more expensive. That's the same thing that's true for cast brew coffee. It's higher quality and it's more expensive. We have our, our blends, Appalachian Nights and Rise with Roberto Jr. We tested and we chose. Colombian French roast are your basic Colombian and French roast that we source. We're going to have a few more blends. I hope you guys sign up for the Cast Brew Coffee Club Cast Brew Mix because then you'll get three bags per month and it's slightly cheaper. It's 40 bucks a month as opposed to what would probably be like 43 to $45. So it's a little bit cheaper. And then after six months, the price actually drops. This, this needs to be updated. It says $1 off after your 12th order. We're going to drop that one down a little bit. But the profit margins aren't super high. We're just trying to build that parallel economy, contribute to it, and we hope that you will too. And it's tough. But here's my goal with this. The reason why I want Jeremy to succeed, the reason why, and, and the other Jeremy too, Jeremy Hambly, the quartering with, with uh, coffee brand coffee, another option you can buy if you're interested in more coffee. And they're a bit, much bigger company than ours. I'm less concerned with selling a coffee product. I'm more concerned with the physical spaces. We want to set up coffee shops, cafes all over the country. It's really hard. We've got one in the works. I'm wondering what I can do to ramp up and speed up this process. How can we make it so that in every suburban shopping district, there is a cast brew coffee shop? I don't care about the, the money. And you know, you're never supposed to say that to an investor. I care about people coming in. And when they go to buy a product, there's Steven Crowder. There's uh, uh, Viva Fry. There's Tim Cast, Sticks Hexenhammer. There is legitimate, honest content that people can see and learn from and be exposed to that culture in physical spaces and hang out with each other so we can start taking over these spaces. And when it comes to massive corporate influence, it's not all going to be woke corporations. We are going to push back. The Cast Brew Coffee Club, Cast Brew Mix, I hope that we can one day get so large that we can rival some of these big energy drink companies. We can sponsor big cultural events. They've got like the Red Bull people jumping off buildings and whatever. I want to do all of that. I want to take this space and I want to say no to the woke insanity. Shout out to Jeremy's Chocolate and, 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 and the companies that are being built. And shout out to PublicSQ.com. Guys, we vote with our dollars. Disney is bleeding subscribers. Netflix lost a ton of subscribers. Budweiser is dropping. We are winning this. So I tell you what you do. Buy Jeremy's chocolate. If you're if you got an event coming up and you need some kind of snack, you got an office. Let me do this. Let's 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 go ham. If you've got a corporate office and they give you a budget and say, get snacks for the break room, you buy Jeremy's chocolate, you buy cast brew coffee and you don't say much else. You don't need to go to people and say, the reason I bought this chocolate was for political reasons. You don't need to do that. You don't need to go to them and say, the reason I bought the coffee is to support a political. No, no, no. You don't need to do any of that. You just say to your company, we're going to source from cast brew from now on. We're going to we're going to have cast brew coffee in, in our break room because we buy coffee and, and it's good, high quality coffee, organic. And you know what's going to happen? No one's going to bat an eye. They're going to come and be like, oh, cast brew, that's cool. And they don't got to learn anything. But you know what will happen? 
they'll say, you know, I really like that blend. That Roberto Jr. What is that Roberto Jr. Like a rooster thing? Yeah, you know, you like wake up in the morning, the rooster crows. Then that person's going to be like, I should get some of this for home. It's really good. They're going to go to their friends. They're going to say, my office ordered this coffee. It's really good. Cast Brew. They have a great dark roast. I'm, I'll get you some for Christmas. Their website's castbrew.com. And then all of a sudden, some woke leftist walks into their break room and they see Casper and they go, ah, ah, and then they look over and there's Jeremy's chocolate on the, on the, on the fridge. Like, oh, 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 and they open the door and there's ultra, there's, there's conservative dad's ultra right beer. And like, oh, 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 and then they collapse. I'm kidding, by the way, but hey, let's make it happen. Shout out to all the companies that are standing up for American values and pushing back and the parallel economy. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. It has been announced that Ron DeSantis will mandate E-Verify to prevent illegal immigrants from getting jobs in Florida. And on the surface, it sounds incredible. It'll protect the U.S. economy. It'll mainly protect the Florida economy. But there are concerns from many people, including Thomas Massey, that this will be weaponized against all of us. It will be the basis for which they introduce medical mandates like the vaccine mandate. The E-Verify system can stop you from getting a job unless you possess certain credentials, in which case it could be used for more vaccine mandates. Now, Thomas Massey says he's voting no on this at the federal level because it will be used against us. Ron DeSantis is in favor of it, which makes me wonder, with all of the really great things that Ron DeSantis does, is it just surface level? Does he need a more in-depth view? I believe Ron DeSantis is the greatest governor this country has. I think he's a tremendous leader, but I think he's got bad people around him. I think he's getting good advice in certain areas, but they need to dig deeper and address this kind of issue because right now they're bragging about it and they're getting some heat because of it. The Post Millennial reports on Wednesday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a new anti-illegal immigration bill into law. Senate Bill 1718 was created to help the state crack down on those working without the proper paperwork and impose stricter penalties on human traffickers. I mean, all of those sound like really good things. DeSantis said he expects the legislation, which will take effect July 1st, to make a big, big difference, noting that with his signature, Florida had become the largest state in the nation to make the migrant worker detection system E-Verify mandatory. Now, I'll pause right there. Libertarian and anarchist arguments often don't sway me. They usually go for the slippery slope line, and they are correct. It's not a fallacy. Slippery slope is real. But my attitude is, if DeSantis says we intend to ban illegal immigrant workers in this state, that's the intention. If someone exploits that for evil reasons, they could have done so to begin with. They already had vaccine mandates. So I'm not going to cry that they're like, we're cracking down on bad thing simply because at some point they may crack down on other bad or on, on, on other thing. Or, or restrict you in certain ways. That is to say, I view these things isolated. Stopping illegal immigrants from taking American jobs is a good thing for this country. If someone seeks to exploit that, that is what we must stop. You see my point? We don't say, Ron DeSantis did a good thing, but it's actually bad because later on down the line, someone could do a bad thing. No, I say, if at any point someone tries to weaponize this against us, we must resist. It's, all, it's also like guns, right? This is the thing. The left says guns should be banned because bad people use guns. No, bad people will use guns. They'll use guns. We should not be restricted from having guns simply because sometimes a bad person might do a bad thing. 
If you're concerned the government will weaponize against you, that's like saying people shouldn't have guns because the government can use them too. You see? Here's the story breaking. Governor DeSantis announces signing an anti-illegal immigration bill mandating E-Verify. Post Millennial says under the new legislation, businesses with more than 25 employees who knowingly hire illegal immigrants could face fines of up to $10,000 and have their licenses revoked. Civilians who assist illegal migrants could also be slapped with felony charges. Excuse me. Working while undocumented has long been illegal. However, in most parts of the country, enforcement is nearly impossible. With the new E-Verify system, however, the government is able to keep tabs on employees by comparing I-9 form information provided by an employer with Department of Homeland Security records and Social Security Administration to confirm employment eligibility. The law also requires that hospitals keep track of how many patients are in the country illegally and prohibits counties from issuing IDs to undocumented migrants. Do they mean in the county illegally? Those engaged in human trafficking, I I believe country, will also face much harsher penalties. Anyone caught smuggling a minor or more than five people into the state will have committed a third degree felony. The penalty also applies to any trafficker who already has a prior conviction for such a crime. People are going to come if they get benefits, DeSantis explained. So what you want to do is say there's not benefits for coming illegally. You're either here as a native or you come here legally. Those are the two are two fine things. But to come across the border and end up getting benefits in Florida does not make sense. He went on a state. At the end of the day, you wouldn't have the illegal immigration problem if you didn't have a lot of people who are facilitating this in our country. In Florida, we're doing it legal and we're doing it right. I, I like it. I do. Again, I know a lot of people are ragging on DeSantis. There are a lot of people are saying E-Verify is bad. But I will stress that point again before we jump into the DeSantis war room stuff. Just because bad things could happen later doesn't mean we don't do good things now. I had this conversation with uh, Michael Malice in Austin. I said, I think we should ban TikTok. It's a surgical maneuver against one bad thing. And Michael said, yes, but if you allow the government to ban this, then tomorrow they can ban AK-47s. And I'm like, those are two different things. Michael's perception, I suppose, is that if the government has the right to ban, they will ban things you like. But I do think the government has a right to ban. The government exists. Of course, Michael, being an anarchist, had probably a different view, and he thinks none of it should be allowed. Me, more traditional liberal, think thinks the government exists to serve a purpose. It's just being abused, exploited, and it's deeply corrupt, as is its tendency. So I'm in favor of dramatic reformation and restructuring. And I think we want to ban TikTok. It's a bad thing. And then if someone later tries to ban good thing, we say, no, don't ban good thing. You see, it's really that simple. I mean, not really. But take a look at this. The DeSantis war room. What has Governor DeSantis been up to this week? DeSantis bans Chinese agents, citizens of other countries of concern from buying real estate in Florida. Where's the outrage from libertarians? They're talking about E-Verify, but where's the outrage there? Well, but this could be used against us. It could could be used against our, our friends. Yeah. But if the government has the right to stop you from buying real estate, they could eventually say that you have family from this. What's it? Yes. If they cross that line, we, we call them out. We have to be vigilant. DeSantis signs teacher's bill of rights law, approves $1.05 billion for teacher pay. Again, where are the complaints? He's guaranteeing teacher pay. He's working with the, go- the government. If the government creates, oh man, if the government starts mandating payment to these teachers, then they're going to start teaching woke stuff and be protected. Where are the complaints? There's a lot of bad things that could happen. 
DeSantis signs legislation to permanently ban COVID restrictions in public and private sector. You mean the government has just been granted the right to make medical declarations? I mean, this, it's going to lead to vaccine. Wait a minute. My point is this. Anything done for any reason can be can be made bad. Any technology can be weaponized. You know, some we, we talk about Alfred Nobel. Dude invents dynamite. I think dynamite or TNT. One of the, are they the same thing? I don't know. And he wanted to help miners, people who would go into mine stone. And he said, this will blow it up, make it easier for them, safer. They can plant it. They can leave. A newspaper accidentally published his obituary, calling him the merchant of death because people weaponized it. So he created the Nobel Prizes because he wanted to be known for something else. Let's take a padlock, for example. What is the purpose of a padlock? It's so that you can lock a locker or a chain together, and then someone can't open it because it's metal unless they break it. Okay, what if someone takes a shoelace, ties it to the end of a padlock and swings it around and throws it? Yeah, now they've made some kind of sling weapon and it can kill people. Do we say we got to ban all padlocks because a bad person did a bad thing? No, we just say don't hit somebody with a padlock. I like the E-Verify thing. I do. And I see the libertarian arguments and I respect them. And I think, okay, moving forward, what we need to do, make sure these things are not exploited. But it means you have to work all day, every day. Take a look at this. Governor DeSantis is making Florida the first state in the country to ban gain-of-function research. But, but, but if, if he's banning gain-of-function research, then tomorrow they can ban, ban any medical research. And now there's going to be cures for disease. We'll never get no. Case-by-case basis. Things need to be done surgically and precisely where it makes sense. DeSantis says, the medical establishment really lost its mind during COVID. Even to this day, you will have pediatricians that are trying to jab six-month-old babies with an mRNA shot. Well, Florida is very much opposed to a lot of this. So let's talk about illegal immigration, right? We have a, re- a very serious problem with our border being non-existent. What are our solutions? Well, E-Verify is one of them. Border security is one of them. There's only so much Florida can do. I mean, it's a peninsula for the most part surrounded by water. They do have illegal immigration. A lot of people come from South America. I think these are good people for the most part. People fleeing communism go to Florida for a reason. Socialism and communism. In Texas, it's really, really bad. In Arizona, it's really, really bad. Obviously, we have a crisis where there is effectively no border. E-Verify may be a way to stop that. So the question then becomes, how do we put constraints on it to make sure we don't see it abused? I'm not super concerned with Florida. I think they're on the right track. Federal government, I don't trust. And I do trust Thomas Massey. So let's figure this one out. In the meantime, though, I'm going to say this. I think DeSantis is doing something good here. I really do. I understand the risks. They worry me. But I I feel like taking action doesn't mean, I mean, like any action taken can result in negative consequences. Perhaps the real solution is sunset clauses. That's it. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then.